Hi friends! You know you care about the work that you do when you go on vacation and think, <laughs> why don't we record an episode? Yeah. Hey, I liked it. It seemed like a good <clears throat> idea. At the time. It's still a good idea. Here, Here we, we are. are. It usually does. a stage and all the men and women merely players they have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts does anyone recognize that i don't know what it's from i don't is it shakespeare it's shakespeare nice the homie himself the homie the original homie oh, the original no, homie my drink. um it's from as you like it and william shakespeare was i saw that at in London. Did you? Sorry, yes, oh. I did. At the Shakespeare Theater. You've, in, you've infinitely become more interesting. I'm Tell sorry. us more. I know, I'm sorry. That just, I got excited about it. No, that's good. Well, I grabbed a Shakespeare quote because it is about the world being a stage. And also, he's sort of the um, the OG when it comes to theater. Right. And sort today, of. He sort of is. He's kind of. Um, today, we're doing superstitions about acting and the theater. The yes. theater, the theater. The theater. Oh my. <laughs> Little white curses in there for you. My friend Daniel, who's a theater director, I'm going to tell him about this episode because he's the one that gave me the idea a while ago. And he's going to listen to all of this at the beginning and he's just going to switch it off before we get to any of the superstition <laughs> because it's just too cringe. Um, okay, so I'm just going to jump right in. Let's just crack into it. I like it. There may be no other profession as superstitious as acting. Actors are, by nature, a superstitious bunch. Maybe it is the natural flair for drama. We've all known actors. They're a little dramatic. No. Maybe it's the thrill of a live performance. Or maybe they just understand that their career can, quite literally, turn overnight. Irish nationalist Robert Wilson Lind published an article called A Defense of Superstition in the October 1st, 1921 edition of a British liberal political and cultural magazine where he regarded theater as the second most superstitious institution in England, second only after horse racing. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. What is so more too. superstitious? I was going to say, I thought you, were, you had said something similar about sailing, like sailors, anything on... Right, and we did the water episode and they were superstitious, but there are just so many with the theater. And so I kind of, oh, yeah. I kind of knew that, but when I started going into the research, there are a handful, but like some of them actually, there's... There's some kind of kind of interesting background to it. So we're just going to jump in. Um, and we're going to start off with the most common one. What do you think it is? Oh, break, break a leg. leg. Break a leg. You're correct. So probably the most famous and most common of theater superstitions is the phrase break a leg. This is an idiom used in theater to wish a performer good luck without actually saying the term good luck. There are many possibilities to the origin of this phrase. And one possibility goes back to ancient Greece. So, like Amanda, we're traveling. Traveling. And we're going. Yes. Greek citizens used to stomp their feet when they enjoyed a play instead of clapping their hands. If the audience members stomped their feet hard enough, it was believed someone would eventually oh, break no. a leg. <laughs> Therefore, when an actor says break a leg to another actor, they're hoping the actor's performance garners overwhelming appreciation from the audience. Oh, that is so interesting because that I was is. always like, that is the most random thing. Why? Y'all have no idea how bad I wanted to just like start stomping my feet, but I didn't feel like that'd be good for sound. I appreciate that because we're in close quarters at the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, another possible origin of this phrase comes from the days of vaudeville. I don't know what vaudeville is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. In vaudeville, when an actor gets to appear on stage, it's called breaking the leg of the curtain. An actor who breaks the leg of the curtain has the good fortune of being paid for that night's performance. So this phrase is still widely used in the performing community, even oh. still today. Another huh. theory was first 
known as an example in print from Edna Ferber's 1939 A Peculiar Treasure, in which she writes about the fascination of the theater and how all the understudies are sitting in the back row, politely wishing that the principal actors would break their legs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that is funny. Still another option, and one Tammy will be most fond of, is that uh -huh. by wishing your friends good luck with something, you're tempting the evil spirits, no, evil spirits. to do your friend harm. So it's better to outwit the demons and wish your friends bad fortune. Very witty. Or perhaps the same comes in a complicated way from the use of leg. In tech theater, a leg is a curtain, and a highly successful run with repeated curtain calls could wear out the fly machinery that raises and lowers oh, the leg no. of the curtain. Huh. Saying break a leg is a complex way of expressing wishes for a show that is so great with the audience demanding so many curtain calls that it breaks the leg of the curtain. It's funny, I did tech theater in high school and I don't I remember it being called did. a leg. There are a few people who will try to convince you that break a leg actually has sardonic roots in John Wilkes Booth's assassination of oh, President no. Lincoln in 1865. Booth, as you know, was an actor, and after shooting Lincoln, he jumped from the presidential box to the stage, breaking his leg in the process. After he landed on stage, he shouted, Six Semper Tyrannis, which is Latin for, Thus may it ever be to tyrants. Huh. Whichever of these contributes to the phrase, the point is clear. Break a leg means have a great show. Yes, indeed. That's interesting. Sometimes I like to say break a leg and be appropriate. And sometimes I like to shout after people, break your legs. And they don't know what to say. Because <laughs> I'm... You're so kind. Obnoxious. You're so... Break your legs. Okay, we're moving on to that Scottish play. Any idea what I'm talking about? Don't. No? Tammy? You were a theater kid. Draw the blank. Really? I expected you to know this one. Okay. That Scottish play? That Scottish play. One of the most prevalent theater superstitions forbids mentioning the title of Shakespeare's tragedy. It's a Shakespeare play oh. about a lustful, greedy bid for power. Don't ever say the name when you're inside a theater building. Instead, you call it that Scottish play. Do you know the play we're talking about? I don't. Oh, I do want you? to. Really? Okay. I'm sorry. I feel like I've let you down. I'm not as familiar with Shakespeare as I probably should be. Oh, I like Shakespeare. All right. I'm going to keep going and see. Whenever you two think you might okay. know what it is, just shout it out. Because we're not inside what is? a We're not, not in a theater right it's now. Hamlet, is it? So it's not bad luck. It is not Hamlet. Okay. okay. Hamlet. Long-time theater workers can recite many legendary bad luck events so inexplicable that supernatural forces of evil must have caused them, which jolted actors or productions after someone accidentally said the name of this particular play. No? Okay. Some say more accidents and bad luck are connected with this play than with any other. Although there's no hard evidence to support the claim, it does include major sword fights, such as the death of Bancaro, the leading character's battle with young Seward, and the final struggle with Macduff, which provides endless opportunities for actual accidents in the play. The word dark appears more in this play than any other Shakespeare work, and the word love appears less in this play than any other Shakespeare work. This, along with the presence of the weird sisters in the play, leads some to believe that the play itself has raw and destructive power. I feel so uncultured, and I am disappointed. All right. I'm going to say it in this next part. Yay! So okay. You both fail at the guessing game. I know! Yeah. The History Channel ran a special that cited several instances of mysterious and sudden deaths during productions of Macbeth. Yes! Okay, I knew! Oh. You did not know I it! I didn't know it! I didn't know it, but I knew no. that there was a very famous one that I would yes. not come to my mind. That was a title that I was trying to think of, and I couldn't come I, up yeah, with it. Yeah, it was not there. Okay, okay. I, did, so I didn't Macbeth. mean Hamlet from the beginning, but... I couldn't even come up with the name. Right, in your head it was Macbeth, right. but you said Hamlet. I got you, because Hamlet's pretty dark, too. Um... Oh. 
This History Channel special strongly suggested that a curse dates back to the 17th century. Some believe that the famous fictional incantations of double, double, toil and trouble, which I know you've heard, are authentic examples of witchcraft, and therein lies the danger of speaking the title out loud. Okay, okay. There is another self, I will never do that. Which is an evil spirits. Which is evil spirits and demons. Mm. There is another theory for the play's cursed uh, reputation. Supposedly in the past when theaters were in grave financial difficulties, because it was not a prosperous career for a very long time, they would desperately select this play to draw in audiences. So the play became kind of known as a curse of a failing theater. Like if you resort to the point that you have to put on Macbeth, your theater is likely in ruin and it's probably going to close. So it kind of, oh goodness, that's how okay. it, gained, it gained the curse. Now, Amanda, you'll be glad to know that there is redemption possible. Thank goodness. If an actor slips up and says the deadly phrase, which is the name of the play, and I'd like to point out again that you, it's only in a theater that this is bad luck. So us sitting here saying Macbeth, Macbeth is not bad luck. Good. Um, but if an actor slips up and says the phrase, there are some counter curses. You must exit the theater, mm. spin three times, mm-hmm. Spit and utter a Shakespearean insult. Right. This is uh, my yes. my favorite counter curse to date. Could we have an example of the Shakespearean I don't, insult? I should have looked some uh, up. I didn't do it. Um, you can also recite any line from the lucky play, Two Gentlemen of Verona, or this particular line from A Midsummer Night's Dream. If we shadows have offended, this but this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here whilst these visions did appear, and you now should be curse-free. Hmm. All right. I, like I need that in writing, so in case I'm ever in a theater. Yeah, I'll text I'm, it to yeah, you. Write that down. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. For that. safeguarding you. Yes. Okay, before I go on, because those are the two biggest ones. There are several others, but you both were kind of theater kids, performance kids. Do you know, off the top of your head, any other theater superstitions? Because we can do that section first if you've heard of any of them. I, I really break a leg was the main one. Okay. Like, Nada? Yeah, I, I know I know some, but I can't think of anything. I'm not in a good... My head is not working. You're not in a good headspace. No. Okay. Well, then, um, you know, just flag me down when you remember this. for sure. Okay. So up next is the ghost light. Okay. Nothing about the ghost Uh, light. Familiar, but I couldn't tell the story. Many theaters have ghosts, according to the resident theater personnel who will tell you that they've seen and heard uncanny spirits. Many believe that the spirit of Thespis, the first known actor in ancient Greece, enjoys wrecking havoc in theaters across the world. It is believed that to ward off bad luck spirits, there must al- always be a ghost light illuminating the stage yes. when it is not in use. Yes, I have heard Interesting. That. It should be turned on as the actors and the crew leave for the evening, and it should burn all night. It's only when the stage is left dark, superstition has it, that ghosties, and it said ghosties, the ghost stage, stage, yes. can run free. So it's this idea that like your, your stage should never be... There should always be some form of illumination. Okay. If they're not working at the time, then the, the ghost, ghost light, light which is just a faint on. light, should be left on. Um, for some, this is less ghostly, and the superstition really is more of a statement. And it's, we must be sure that concrete light is on so that metaphysical light of the theater will never disappear. So it's kind oh, of a okay. mantra. Yes. Um, and then also, many stages tend to be cluttered. If you've known actors, you know this is true. Right. Yep. So it's a good idea to keep that light on so that you just don't, don't trip on yourself. Right. Exactly. You don't fall and break your leg. Correct. Don't fall and break your leg. <laughs> Only if you're the understudy in the back row. All right. Okay, so whistling backstage is also very bad luck. Okay. It's, you knew that? I've heard that too. Okay. It's considered taboo because it supposedly brings dire results. This likely has roots in the past when managers used to hire sailors to run the flyloft on the premise that sailors' expertise with knots and the raising and lowering of sails would make them ideal workers. A signal system of whistles cued the sailors. 
So someone whistling for personal enjoyment could sound like a cue, which would then result in a catastrophic event, like heavy pieces of equipment falling on an actor's mm. head. You are fired. You're fired. It would be a real shame for an actor to be whistling a show tune as he wandered backstage, only to have a piece of backdrop knock him down. <laughs> oh, rude. <laughs> the best way to prevent from becoming a theater ghost yourself is to refrain oh from whistling. <laughs> the cheese factor in my episode today not. is very high. Well, it's only appropriate it's about for doing theater. theater. Exactly. Right. You have to. Gotta throw a little camp in there. Absolutely. All right. Um, this one I had heard before. A bad dress rehearsal makes for a great opening. I have heard yep. that, yeah. Yes, so you've heard yeah. that. Okay. Uh, the origin of this superstition likely came from a desperate producer seeking to build morale during mm -hmm. a disastrous show. Fair. Whether or not there's truth in this particular superstition, it's kind of a comforting concept to think that your show will be a success if <laughs> you Don't let everyone so just be in a bad mood. <laughs> exactly. You're all terrible and tomorrow will be awful. Right. <laughs> Good talk. Okay, um, there are a couple superstitions around box office and like the success of a play. Okay. Um, this superstition is geared to ensure financial success of the play. It is mandatory that the house manager refuses to admit anyone with a comped ticket, that's someone who did not pay for their seat, until after at least one paying patron has entered the auditorium, mm -hmm. or the production will be doomed to failure. So the first okay. person who comes in must have paid for their ticket. A second box office superstition is pure sexist. <laughs> In 1866, what was about to become known as the first American musical, which was called The Black Crook, was set to open in New York at Niblo's Garden. This was a five and a half hour long gaudy production no. with no historical significance <laughs> and primarily featured beautiful women in skimpy costumes with a desperately cobbled together script. So it sounds like a real winner. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to see that next week. Absolutely. We'll look into it. On opening night, the first person in line at the theater's entrance was a woman. William Wheatley, who was the manager of the auditorium, very dramatically in my opinion, pushed her away and shouted, No, you cannot be first. Wow. To allow a woman to be the first to enter would ruin the success of the play. Oh, well. The play ended up running for 474 performances, which was a major success at the time, and Wheatley attributed the success of the show to his refusal in allowing a woman to be the first to enter the theater uh, on opening night. Whatever, William. William, you pig. <laughs> you pig. Oh, God. Says it quickly. Always. It always does. William the worm. William the worm. <laughs> I like it. All right. Many actors believe it's bad luck to have a mirror on stage. Oh. This may be rooted in more ancient... Did you? You heard? I had not heard that one. Uh, this may be rooted in more ancient times when it was believed that a mirror could open the soul to the devil. Amanda. <laughs> oh no! Your, yes. In your seven years, bad luck. Um, a mirror can also be a technical nuisance because it reflects light in places you may not want to reflect light or into the, the audience's eyes. Um, and then I have perhaps actors are afraid of the mirror breaking and causing the seven year bad luck streak. Yes, mm -hmm. I probably only know that because I specifically did tech theater. Yeah, yeah. Like I had never heard anything about the mirror. Um, okay, so flowers. It's very common. You see people give yeah. flowers for performance. Um, live, real flowers on stage. Yes, ma'am? You can't give them before the performance. Good! Yeah. Good! Look at you! Nice! Uh, live, real flowers on stage as part of the set, as actually a prop, is considered bad luck. Oh. Um, but some people think maybe it's just discouraged because uh, stage lighting is very heavy and it's very hot and flowers could wilt. Wilt, yes. So for consistency in a prop, sometimes it's better to have fake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but old school actors believe flowers should be gifted only after the curtain call because claiming a gift prior to performance will cause a lackluster so, show. Yep. Yes, yes. I'm waking up now. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Here. We're nearly at the end of the episode and Tammy has joined us. <laughs> better it's late all, than never. Better late than never for sure. 
Uh, it's also considered good luck to give the director a bouquet of flowers stolen from a graveyard when a theater production closes, so at the end of the run of show. <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't either, but it makes sense. Uh, this macabre gesture denotes the end of a production, as in the death of the production. Okay. But then also, historically, actors didn't make a lot of money. Um, so you could assume this was an inexpensive way to say thank you to the director and also butter them up for the next round of auditions with the next show. Also might have been that okay. was bringing all the ghosties into the theater. You're stealing their flowers from or the graveyard. Or perhaps the ghosties were attached to the graveyard flowers. Right, you know, that ghost light on. All right, you guys know what a green room is? I do. Tell me what it is. Is that the the backdrop? Well, no. That's a green no, screen. Sorry, yes, then I don't know what a green, green room is. Green screen is like what's used in television where yeah. you can project something behind. You don't know what a green room is? I don't. You know what a green room is. No, I was thinking the same thing she just said. Okay. So. You don't know what a green room is. You have too much faith in us today. I really do. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I fair, just expected that you guys would The last any this. form of theater I have ever done was 10 years ago. That's true. So. I've been out of high school even longer than that. Well, I mean, I'm, I didn't mean to imply that you guys are like theater junkies, but I'm not either. And I yeah, heard and most you of these, so I gotcha. kind of thought that you would have. Um, the green room is part superstition and part legend. It has been an inherent part of theater architecture for centuries. So the first reference, okay, so a green room, what a green room is, is it's the space where the actors wait okay. prior to going on stage. And so, like, um, TV shows have a green room where you sit oh. and wait until Ellen calls you out or whatever. Yeah, okay. It's Not the, it's the waiting space. The first reference seems to be a play by Thomas Shadwell called A True Widow, which came out in 1679, so it's pretty old. Uh, we may not know why the room has that name. It's never green, but we certainly know what it is. It's a cozy backstage room where actors can assemble when they're not on the stage. Logically, it's near the dressing rooms with quick access to the stage. To help actors catch their cues, many green rooms are equipped with monitors that broadcast the play's action and sometimes their responses. Mm -hmm. Now, theatrical lore insists that the green room must be a nice, attractive place, similar to someone's living room, and it is the only backstage place where audiences are invited. So, like, your family or your friends, they're not to come to your dressing room, they can meet you in the green room. Okay. Uh, people must take pride in keeping it neat. If you disrespect the space of the green room, you are showing a lack of respect for the theater itself. Mm. Oh. So dressing rooms can be quite messy. Stages are often very cluttered, but your green room should be it immaculate. Be nice and neat. How do you guys feel about peacocks? I think they're pretty. Correct. They're Correct. pretty. They are. Just in general. Yeah, Tammy has no opinion, I guess. I mean, I do like that Katy Perry song. I don't know that Katy Perry song. We won't talk about it on this. We're, go- we're going down a tangent. <laughs> It is a great song. Okay. All right. So we'll revisit that at a later moment. Um, Though beautiful, peacock feathers may not be carried by an actor on stage. Why? The superstition is inspired that the pattern on the feather looks to many like the evil eye. Oh. Interesting. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. I thought so too. No theater production wants to risk offending an audience with the malevolent curse of the evil eye, which we remember from my episode. Mm -hmm. Um can bring misfortune and injury to those who cast the evil eye. Mm-hmm. We're back to cats. I love, I like cats. How many, I don't even Briefly. like cats, and how many episodes have I done that have black cats involved? Okay, it's because this, you do like cats, you just want to admit it. I particular really, vacation, really we've had all the cats. So we're on vacation, it's which we didn't say at the top of this episode, but Amanda has found a cat in every store that we've gone to, and it's a little stressful. Really, we don't need to buy anything, you just pet the cat. There's been a couple of black ones, haven't there? Yeah. So to many, a black cat is considered bad luck, as we know from... The previous right. episode. But in the theater, many actors believe that it is good luck, so kind of like sailors. There mm-hmm. are stories of actors who have had a black cat experience right before going on stage, 
and gave a show-stopping, better-than-ever performance. Nice. Many actors go so far as to bring a black cat backstage and create their own good luck. Oh, those familiars. Those familiars. Those witches. (laughs) All right, so this is my last one, and we're closing out with my favorite, a ghost story. Yay! Beware the ghost of David Belasco. Do you know who David Belasco is? No, but I like his name. Neither did I. Okay. (laughs) All right, in New York. Belasco. Which is the like a very famous area for theater in New York at 111 West 44th Street, which is located in the theater district, is Broadway's Belasco Theater. Uh, this is actually one of the oldest and finest show houses in the New York theater district. Many people believe that it is haunted. Sure. I have been waiting over a year to drop ghosts into a superstition podcast yes. on purpose, and I'm very happy about this. <laughs> um, so it has been suggested that the ghost of David Belasco... The theater impresario, who was more commonly known as the Bishop of Broadway, okay. continues to oversee the happening at his namesake theater. Nice. Previous employees have reported seeing his spirits sitting alone in the balcony or wandering the lobbies, occasionally stopping to speak to patrons. Could this be the ghost of Thespis, as we talked about before, or is Mr. Belasco himself still ever-present Checking in and making sure that things continue to run smoothly in his theater. I hope that he is. I do too. I love now. A good I want to go there. We should that go. That's amazing. Yes. We should do a trip to New York. New York go, is next year. Oh, ghost hunting. Good. Ghost hunting in New York City. Yes. Yes. Indeed. On Broadway. No you have made me really want to go to a theater now. You've um, made me want to go to a theater. A theater. The theater. The theater. <laughs> what happened to the theater? Thanks for listening to Salt Over Your Shoulder, a Redwater production. We appreciate your support. Your download allowed our crazy idea to gain steam and make it into your podcast directories. We couldn't do this without you. If you'd like to continue your support, you can engage with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at SaltThePod, or follow us on Facebook at Salt Over Your Shoulder. You can also email us at saltoveryourshoulder at gmail.com. Special thanks to the one and only Andrew York for our awesome graphic. If you'd like to continue your support, please consider giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. This helps other people find us as well. You can also become one of our patrons at patreon.com saltthepod. See you next time!